Hey guys, this is Matt, and welcome to the No Man Is an Island podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Connor, and we're going to talk, be talking about his story today. So welcome to the show, Connor. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, who are you, and where do you work and live? Well, I'm Connor. I'm from Athens, Georgia, so go dogs. Um, I currently live in Charlotte, uh, along with Matt, and I work at the Carolinas Medical Center as a, a cardiac ICU nurse. Awesome. So I got to know Connor's story a little while ago, and it is pretty crazy, and I had to have him come on and share more about it because he had a uh, wild experience in college going through physical and mental um, health battle, and I wanted him to come on and share more about that and ask him questions about it. Um, so what happened to you that changed your life in college, Connor, and leading up to, and leading up to that? So... I graduated high school in 2016, um, but during my senior year, I had two swollen lymph nodes come up on my right above my clavicle, which later finding out 95% of the time typically is cancer. At the time, I just went to my primary care doctor who told me, hey, I just think it's an infection, which is normal for you to have swollen lymph nodes with an infection, but he was like, if they ever come back, let me know. I'm going to give you some steroids and antibiotics and just let me know in the future. So fast forward, that was March of my senior year of high school. Fast forward to October-ish of 2017, first semester of college. I was just going through my first semester. I hadn't got, I was going to UGA in the spring, and I got another swollen lymph node right by my neck, and it was pretty large, and my friend kind of picked at me a little bit about it, so I didn't aesthetically like how it looked, but I knew that my doctor had said infections can cause them, so I assumed it would go away after a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, I developed two more, one on the lower part of my neck that was smaller and the one on the back of my neck. So I was like, okay, this might be the time to reach out. So I did. I went and saw him. He's like, I don't like how big that is. I was like, cool. We love to hear that. Um, and so he said, I'm going to send you to ENT, ear, nose, and throat doctor. And so I went and saw her. She'd actually done, I had broken my nose in high school and she had fixed that. So it was good to see her again. <laughs> and she... Did a needle biopsy, came back inclusive, so she said, I'm going to have to cut you open. I had just moved into my dorms at the University of Georgia, so I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun time. I'm going to get to have the college experience. I forgot you went to Georgia. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and Go dogs. She, so they did the surgery. Um, before the surgery, I had, you know, WebMD'd everything because, as normal <laughs> people do, I was a business major at the time, so nothing <laughs> medical. And... I was like, oh, this is Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was like, I just figure this is what it is. And lo and behold, I was walking on campus. Uh, Georgia has a beautiful campus. So, of course, one that's been outside in the spring. And February 1st, I get a phone call and it's Dr. Cat. She's like, hey, do you have a minute? I'm like, what are you? Yeah, I guess. And she was like, can you sit down? I was like, why? She was like, just sit down. So I sat down on one of the random benches along the campus. And she was like, you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. As an 18-year-old arrogant student, uh, I was like, I was like, oh, that's fine. I already knew that. I wasn't <laughs> And I, my first thought was that like old people get cancer, so like that's the reason it's so hard on them. So you didn't think it was bad though. I knew it wasn't a good thing to have cancer, but I figured I would handle it much better than the... Because oh, typically yeah. people like 45 and up had cancer, so I was like, yeah. I'm in good shape, I work out, I take care of myself, I eat healthy. I was like, this will be easier for me. And lymphoma is cancer, for those lymphoma of you who don't cancer. know. I probably didn't know that until like high school. 
And so it was, I just got a phone call. And so that from then on, I had to go see my oncologist later that month and get chemo started. Did you stay in school? So I stayed in school. I, uh, it was every single, every other Tuesday, I would get, I would go to my business class from my dorm uh, 8 a.m. Then my friend Emily, she would come and pick me up from the, just on campus, and she would drive me down, like, across town to the infusion center, where I'd go and walk in. It would be people, most of the time, 45 and up, and I was this 18-year-old kid just strolling in. They most of the time thought it was for me to go see, like, my grandparents or my parents <laughs> or something like that. Then they would see me sit in my, my big chair, and I would be like, oh, this is great. Um, and it was just... It was three and a half hours every single time. Um, had two medications that at the end of every single treatment that really were tough. And that was when like my whole entire dilemma would get go downhill. And then my family would... I, I typically isolated myself. I wanted to do my chemo by myself, I guess, so because I didn't want people to see me weak. Yeah. Um, and then my parents would come and pick me up and drop me back up the dorm by my request because I wanted to stay in school. Yeah. And she... And so then I, for the next like three or like four or five days, I would feel like absolute dirt and then slowly get better. And then I would start all over again. And this went on for how long? It went on for six months. Uh, I would get every two weeks for six months since I was 12 treatments total. And it was your freshman year? Freshman year. Best year. Freshman year of college. It's supposed to be your best college experience. And So like the majority, almost the majority of your year was... It was so like the first in treatment basically. Yeah, the first semester was at a community college. I was still living at home, so like it wasn't even a good college experience. Because I was a spring at UGA, so it was my entire first semester at UGA, which was supposed to be like this magical time, and I was stuck in the dorm most of the time because I didn't have the energy to besides to get up and go to class or go walk down the hill to the uh, the cafeteria and get food, which that food was pretty good. <laughs> wow, uh, did you know, did you have any good friends there? I did. So I, I was really blessed in the fact that most of the time spring people, spring admits can't live together because spring what? Spring admits. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. they just can't live together because most of the time the dorms are pretty full. Uh, but luckily that me and my friends I grew up like with since like middle school, uh, we got, we had to, we somehow made it work to we were able to live together. Uh, and I had a lot of good friends, but they were all really involved on campus, and like all wanted to like. Some of them wanted to go to the bars. Some of them wanted to just go to football or like sporting events and stuff like that. But I couldn't. I didn't have the energy to do it. <laughs> wow, uh, that is, yeah, that is wild. Um, I wanted to ask you during this time and afterwards, what helped you? Actually, first, what what did you go through mentally um, with hearing your diagnosis and then in the treatment? Like, what what was that like mentally? So pre-treatment, like I said, I was ignorant, didn't know much, and I was I was not business whatsoever. Um, so going to my first oncology visit was a roller coaster of emotions. It was, I came in kind of feeling like, oh, not much is going to change. It's not going to be that bad. And she comes in. I love my doctor, Dr. B. She's the best. I give her a hug every time I see her now. Um, but she was like, she came in, she's like, this is what's going to change. And it was a extreme list. She was like, I don't want you going to crowded places. I don't want you uh, living in a dorm. I want you to drop out of school. I want you to move home. I want you to barely see new people. If any anybody you're around has even a, a slight cold, I don't want you around them. And I was like, what? Like, 
I but said, you stayed I, in school. I, I, well, I, was, I told her, I said, we're going to we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to work on this. I was like, I want to stay in school. I want to stay in the dorms. If I move home, based off my family situation, love my family, but it can be a lot sometimes. I was like, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. So she was like, okay, but if you hit certain levels with your uh, immune system, like your white blood count, uh, where your body yeah. fights things, um, then you're going to have to move home and you're going to have to drop out of school. I was like, yeah. deal. Did I necessarily follow that the entire time? Probably not. Um, but I feel like I started a trend because I had to wear a mask for like two weeks in school. And, you know, <laughs> then COVID happened. So. Um, yeah. so were you like really depressed during this time or super yeah. anxious or what? Um, I came home and I talked. To, I told my roommate, I said, I need you to leave for like 20 minutes. And I just, I broke down. Yeah. Because I was, I was like, my family I always had to be the strong one, so I couldn't like necessarily like bring that to my family. I, they would have they would have loved me and supported me, but it would just been a lot. And then I wasn't at a place where I was emotionally intelligent enough to feel like I could go talk to my guy friends. So I was just like, I told my friend I needed to leave instead of like dealing with, with my talking about it. Yeah. And I shoved everything in, and I was depressed because all my friends were out doing all the fun freshman stuff, all the fun on campus stuff, and I could occasionally like participate in some things, but most time I just didn't even have the energy. Yeah. I started off running a little bit after chemo. But then I lost that ability to it. I gained a lot of weight, which has always been like a super big thing for me because I bullied middle school for being overweight. And so like I got up to 205 because of steroids. And Oh, I, yeah, I, I forgot about that part. So your yeah, your steroids made you gain like, what, like 30 pounds or something? Like 30 pounds. And so like I was miserable. I've with... never heard that before about, um, what was it with steroids? Not, not the chemo. Not like, yeah. so not actually like, I'm not sticking my butt steroids, but like corticosteroids. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> they typically can cause what's uh, called moon face, mostly in guys, and buffalo hips in girls. Those are the two terms that usually what they can do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they'll make you eat more and gain a lot of weight, but I didn't eat a ton because I was And these somehow help cancer. Yeah. Uh, majority of cancers, like, they, it, they're meant to help with the inflammation because oh. uh, chemo's meant to basically kill all cells and so your body's just inflamed. So it's like, let's bring down the inflammation a little bit. Oh, I see. But it was just depressing because, like, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't fix the fact that I was gaining weight. I could barely eat, but I was still gaining weight. And then my friends, I didn't blame them for going and doing all this stuff because it's their freshman year. But it just kind of sucked that I couldn't go with them. And so it left me yeah. being lonely on my futon in my dorm where I didn't have a lot of friends in my dorm anyways because we were spring events. So it's just lonely. Yeah, man. Yeah, I cannot imagine that. Like, that's wild. Especially at such an enormous university, too. There's, like, hundreds of thousands of people. Like, I don't know how many students go there. Like, 100,000 or something. 38,000 every year. 38,000. Yeah, like, mo- mostly on campus, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, I really wanted to talk about what were some of the things that helped you mentally during and after um, your diagnosis and treatment, and was that community, was that counseling, was that God? So, right before I got diagnosed, I was going to Athens Church at the time, um, Big MC, it was like Andy Stanley's run to church. Um, and he did a series called What Can You Do When There's Nothing You Can Do? Mm. At the time, I was 18. Yes. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> has nothing related to me. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But you, you can, you feel like you can do anything when you're 18. You really do. And I was yeah. like, I was on top of the world and everything. And the series 
verse was Psalm 23, 4. It's, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. And I got diagnosed like a month and a half later, and it was like everything I needed to hear. And so that ended up being like my stone, like my rock during that time. And so I have a tattoo on my chest of it and everything, but I struggled because I didn't know it was okay to talk about my feelings as a guy. Yeah. Like, granddad's very stoic, and, like, everyone in my life, like, I didn't have a great father figure to, like, really teach me that it was okay to, like, show a vulnerable side as a guy or, like, really, like, talk about how you're feeling. So I held everything in. If I was upset, I waited till I was alone to cry alone or I'd just spend my time alone, and it was just, like... So during after the chemo itself, I didn't have a great like my friends were there, but they were also doing their own thing. I got a girlfriend during it. I cheated on my said girlfriend during chemo, so that was another rock thrown into it. Yeah. And so it led to me just my 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 mind was just not in a great place during chemo. Um, I got to go on some cool trips during it, which was nice. Yeah. Um, but. Then post chemo, I went and saw a counselor for the first time since I was like, I think I saw him when I was like five, like because my parents got divorced when I was three. But like, first time like me really like yeah. wanting for myself actually and like good. actually making sense. Yeah. Um, she was a Christian counselor, which is what I wanted at the time because yeah. I wanted somebody that was gonna push me closer, like involve like scripture and pushing you closer to Christ as well, while also like using psychology as a mixture. Yeah. Um. It was a lot different than I expected it to be, though. Um, I talked a lot more than I thought I would. <laughs> they're, um, they're good at that. And she, it was just like, it was. It, it, I didn't understand it. Like, she would ask a question, and then it was just like, word vomit. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, how do you do that? I'm crying over here. I'm talking about all my feelings. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. But like, when yeah. you go in a room... When you can look at somebody in the face and know they're not judging you, and know that they're there to help you work through something, is a nice feeling. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things guys don't really know, and um, we guys don't understand how much a counselor can can help in so many different ways. Um, so that's awesome to hear. Um, and yeah, did she help you? process I'm sure because you're going through so many different things and then like help did she help you connect the dots of why you were feeling certain things and yeah so she pushed me her and one of my friends pushed me to write out my feelings um so I ended up writing like five chapters of a book that I'm never gonna finish but like I felt it was a good thing for me to write out how I was feeling like leading up to treatment um and so she just kind of helped me realize like I was frustrated at my mom because she wanted to post it on social media, the fact that I had cancer and I wanted to keep it socially, like, close-knit family. Um, Do you remember me realize that, like, helped me walk through getting cheated on during cancer? Like, it's already where my my pride and, like, all of my confidence was in the toilet already. Yeah. She helped me walk through that and just connect, like, it wasn't me and that I have my dignity and who I am as, like, sourced it from god not from anybody else um and she just really helped me like pull out the the feelings that i had shoved so far deep that i didn't know i had <laughs> but pulled them out of my deep dark box and was just like let's lay them on the floor <laughs> and let's talk about them that's and, a great way to put it <laughs> so i was just i was just ripping them out and i was just like oh this is terrible but it was like 
every time I would leave, it was like a large weight lifted off my shoulder that I was like, I didn't know I needed. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like, that's the reason I still see a counselor today, just because, I mean, like, the how nursing in general, like, it's, it is right now, like, the counselor helps me walk through, like, today's now, too. Yeah. And now, and now you have to deal with patients that are, that are dying, too, right in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, during, during this whole t- period, how did your faith grow, and how, how was it challenged, and how did God help? So, grew up Christian, very Christian home. Um, middle school, a lot, it's a very common trend of, like, you go through, and you go because your friends are going. Right, yeah. High school, mom was kind of like, you can do your own thing. I went through a kind of like a dark place of like kind of not making very good decisions. And when I hit 18, I was just like, I need to get, I don't know why, but it was like, I was like, I need to get my life together. And the first thing I did was like, all right, you need to go to church. So I started going to church again. Um, so like during that like first like six months of being 18, which is like right before I got diagnosed, I went through and was reading a bunch of apologetics society. It's I was good like, timing. Yeah, really good timing. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is this my faith or is this my family's faith? Because it's the South, it's the Bible Belt. Yeah. Like a lot of us are raised on like a Christian home. Um, and I came to probably six months before I got diagnosed. I was like, this is my faith. And so when I heard that series, and I was re- I was like reinventing my own like faith with like Christ and like walking, like creating that new relationship. Hearing that verse, understanding. That I don't have to rely on my own self all the time, which is like really hard, especially as a guy. We're like we're so like trained that we're providers and that yeah. we have to do everything, that we have to be perfect, we have to be X Y Z strong rock. Mm-hmm. Which like some of it like I understand, and it's like part of it's like kind of biblical, but yeah, it's. I realized I didn't have to rely on my own strength you, all the time. Yeah, you can't be that way forever. No, especially like. It taught me that I was like, I, you need to rely on God, one, but two, the community that he's placed in your life. Uh, he places people in your life when you need them the most. And I had a lot of good people that were there for me during really hard times. And it just pushed me closer to God. And like, it's defined who I am as a Christian now, because like, I knew that either way, like my cancer was a very, they call it the good cancer, which like is a horrible, horrible term to use. But, like, it just has a really good outcome rate. Um, oh, yeah. Recovery, but, recovery. Yeah. And it was just, like, I knew either way, though, like, I was in a place where, like, if something bad happened, I knew I was going to a place that's better. And it's like what when Paul says, like, he's like, to live is, uh, to live is bad, but to die is gain. Because yeah. he goes to see Christ. Um, and so it just, it transformed my mindset. And I've definitely had my ups and downs in Christian sense. Um, I definitely am not necessarily the picture perfect of a Christian. Um, but it's been like, especially since I was right when I reinvented my faith. It was like the, it's been like the foundation, the cornerstone of like what defined. And like they always say like suffering and being brought to your knees and to your weakest <laughs> points. A lot of times where you find God, yeah. I was brought to my <laughs> knees yeah. as an ignorant 18 year old. Yeah, no, that's awesome story. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you ever think about how, like, similar to what you're saying? Did you do? Did you think about how your your spiritual health like impacted your your like how your faith impacted your mental health and physical and like? Because I think that's a problem. 
I think that, that that's one of the reasons like I started this this podcast and brand is like we don't think about how much our physical health impacts our mental health and how our spiritual health and faith impact our mental health and because we're as people were um, created to um, have one thing impacts everything else and so I don't think we understand that fully especially as guys I think um, so yeah I'm just curious if you ever, did you ever think about it, like in, in those terms just like how they affected each other yeah like the triangle basically yeah. of like spiritual mental physical <laughs> yeah. um at the time i didn't i was such a baby critic like because like yeah yeah i've been a christian since i was like 12 yeah. like i saw the bible and everything but like i was such a baby christian that i didn't necessarily have a good like solid like i mean like i had my, my mom and grandparents but those weren't the people i was going to but i didn't have like a solid figure that was helping me like shepherd my like baby christianness during the time yeah. and so like so much of it is looking back as like a 2020 hindsight vision um i just was overall in a pretty horrible place for mm-hmm. six months um i did it was just like the lack of confidence the last lack of it felt like i mean like at the end of it, it was pretty nice like during the summer part of it like i went to the beach I went to Six Flags like five times because I had this funny past. Yeah. No, I was going to say that too. I forgot. You, so because of your cancer diagnosis, you had this organization or a few of them mm-hmm. reach out. So you got to go to Hawaii and like, where did you, where else did you go? Hawaii, Montana. And so I just got back from Hawaii. I went to Montana and that, that was my first one. I went actually when I was at the end of my chemo treatment. Yeah. Um, and then I went to California backpacking, but Six Flags has this cool thing where you can get a disability pass and you just skip on lines. So like, <laughs> I did all these things against my doctor's orders, but, <laughs> uh, in the end, I think like now I like have connected so many more dots through therapy, through talking with people like you who like are very much more like, it's like you're, you're very invested in mental health. The like, it's so well connected. Like if your spiritual is off, if your physical is off, like exercise is so important for like your mental and fit and spiritual health even. Right. And then your mental health off, it's going to throw off your physical and your spiritual. So like, it's been really cool to like grow my emotional intelligence to see like the well-rounded circle that or triangle. that. It yeah. Is. I think it takes a while to, <laughs> to figure it out and see, like, see how that works. Um, and I love, lo- I love those organizations that like help cancer patients, um, go on trips together i think that's really cool because their their whole thing is a mental is a mental health actually thing too yeah so their goals are they you never used a real name which is kind of weird and the very first time that i went i was like this is stupid oh really so like i did bulldogs so i was like this is stupid so i'm just gonna <laughs> do georgia bulldogs but their reasoning is is because after you finish chemo a lot of times people get so timid and scared and feel afraid to do anything anymore okay um so their thought is Connor wouldn't necessarily go in whitewater kayak in Montana, yeah, the yeah, river. Yeah. I would have, but Bulldog would. Bulldog is confident. He is adventurous. He is courageous, mm. and he would be willing to do that. And so they're going, cool. and then they have like campfires to where you sit around and you talk about it and you get vulnerable because you have this shared trauma. Yeah. And it's just such like trauma breeds vulnerability, and vulnerability breeds like closeness. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> And so, like, it's just a really cool experience that each one of them is. So I've met some really incredible people across the country. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love, yeah, that's a cool psychology um, sort of trick. It's almost like you disassociate from yourself and then think that you're someone else who can do these things and then step into that identity. 
Um, so that's, that's really interesting. Um, but thank you so much, Connor, for, for coming and sharing your story. Uh, this has been awesome. And I know that guys are going to learn a ton from it. So thanks for coming. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>